welcome aboard Just Jets with your captain, Matt O'Leary. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to episode number 68 of Just Jets. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary back with another episode and today we are going into some storylines from this week like Le'Veon Bell throwing massive shade at the New York Jets and that former coach Adam Gase and of course your voicemails but before all of that I just wanted to mention that you should be checking out manscaped.com using promo code JETS20 you can save yourself 20% off on the brand new lawnmower 4.0 you can get the cologne refined cologne and it is a great gift for Father's Day. Father's Day is coming up around the corner. If you're a procrastinator like me, then you're probably going to want to get on that and get dad something nice. And that's a perfect place to go to get something that every guy needs. Like this is something, like it or not, everyone needs something from there. Uh, or maybe if you just want to go with the cologne, that's what I'm getting my dad, then uh, do something like that. So use my promo code JETS20 for 20% off and free shipping around the globe. All right, so let's get into the episode. Wanted to thank you guys for sticking with me because, well, I was away for Memorial Day weekend. I took a little bit of time off, which is something that I really don't do on this channel a whole lot. Uh, but it was my good buddy's uh, bachelor party this past weekend. We were up in the Poconos for that. Uh, so I haven't made a video in probably five days since this goes live uh which is a little crazy for me that's like i said that's rare i don't like not doing that so with yesterday being memorial day and the month of may being a mental health awareness month what i wanted to do is kind of take both of those things because it's well mental health is something that's close to me and memorial day is a very important day uh, for our country to recognize, you know, the brave men and women who paid the ultimate sacrifice to protect us. Uh, so what I wanted to do from today's episode, I'll be donating any re ad revenue to a, a charity that I've worked with in the past. It's called America's Vet Dogs. They're located here on Long Island. And basically what they do is they train dogs to be service animals for veterans. So I wanted to give back a little bit. Uh, to the veteran community and just thank them for their service because it's it's extremely important to do that um, and with may being mental health awareness month i also wanted to try to tie something in where it could kind of be both so a what what's the all the things that I, I love dogs the service animals is a great aspect of it so i thought it would be a good charity uh to donate to for this cause so i'll link it in the description below and in the comments so uh, if you would like to partake in it, um, you absolutely can. No pressure, but I just was letting you know that this is what we are doing for Memorial Day and for Mental Health Awareness Month. So there we go. Let's talk about Le'Veon Bell and his outrage on Twitter this past week. So Le'Veon got his Twitter fingers going. It's something he's done a whole lot. And he threw some heavy shade at the New York Jets and at Adam Gase. And I get it. I think he's a little bit over the top with it sometimes, but I do understand his frustration. So we will go through it. The first one from talking about pretty much all this, how this started was that he was saying 2021 is going to be his year. And I understand that mindset from a, from an athlete, like he has to have that mindset. Otherwise he should just retire. Um, and then someone said that he's been given the opportunity that the jets gave him opportunities. He said, money wise, I'm par I'm paraphrasing that the, 
of the original tweet, but he comes in and says, money-wise, somewhat other than that, hell no. Uh, so he's saying that he really didn't get a good opportunity with the Gase, uh, with the Jets and Adam Gase. The next tweet is when he takes his first shot at Adam Gase. He says, uh, offensive guru, playing for an offensive guru head coach. He needs to go back and play for a defensive-minded head coach. Clearly, he is talking about Adam Gase because that's what he was coined, an offensive guru. Then goes on to say that he had more touches in 2017 than he did with the entire with the Jets in over two years. And he talked about how they ran him up the middle, uh, and that was basically it. So there's a lot of things going on here, clearly. And yes, this is a former disgruntled player, so it's not like it's not no impact on the New York Jets as of this second, but just you know a store a big storyline from the last couple of years with Le'Veon Bell and Adam Gase. Clearly, Adam Gase didn't want Le'Veon Bell. That was very obvious. That was a Mike McCagnan decision. That was a New York Jets decision. And I understand trying to help your young quarterback. I was for the decision at the time. I just don't think they did enough around the offensive line to make that work in the end. They also didn't utilize him correctly in terms of lining him up in the slot and trying to just get the ball in his hand and have him make plays. Running Le'Veon Bell up the middle, that's not how you utilize a player like him. Uh, and they really did a poor job of getting the most out of him. At the same time, while that is true, it's also true that Le'Veon Bell underachieved and was probably a little bit washed up from sitting out a year. So both of those things can be true. It's not, oh my God, Le'Veon Bell was a complete disaster for the New York Jets. He stole money from them. It, it was all his fault. And it's also not all of Adam Gase's fault and not all the entire New York Jets' fault. It's probably split. I would lean a little bit more towards usage, just a touch, but clearly not the same player that he was in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh decided not to pay him. If you want to use revisionist history, it was a smart thing to do. It worked out, and they, the Jets paid him a chunk of change to come here and play behind a bad offensive line, and it didn't work out. Probably should have seen that coming. Uh, I thought he was talented enough to be able to do it, and on top of that, I was just trying to get – anything warm bodies in here to help the young quarterback because they had nothing else really on offense besides that so while Le'Veon gel while Le'Veon Bell ripping the New York Jets is something that isn't really a shock and doesn't have any impact on the team at this second it's still a worthy conversation to have because of just such how big of a personality or how big of a player he was the Jets don't have you know, a ton of big name guys come in and play for their team, especially since they've been bad for a long time. It's not like the, you know, 2000s or early, you know, 2009, 2010 in that range. For the most part, the Jets have had really not, not really a big name guy like that since probably Brandon Marshall has came in here. I guess Jamal Adams on the defensive side of the ball. But that's why this is a big story. It's because, you know, a, a, a star in the NFL says something about the Jets. Everyone likes to jump on it, but I wish he didn't do that on Twitter. I understand his frustration. He hasn't signed anywhere. He's waiting to get some, you know, a call to play. And he's probably frustrated with the, with a, that he's not playing or not signed right now. And B at the same time, how things didn't work out with the New York Jets. So I think it's a mix of both, but again, no surprise. Adam Gase pushed stars away. He did it in Miami. He did it in New York. All of it's true. It's not just on Adam Gase. It's not just on the player, but it's a key factor in all of this. So definitely something that we unfortunately had to deal with and hopefully never again with Robert Sala and Joe Douglas. So on to brighter times for the New York Jets, we hope. And I'm glad that this nonsense is in the rearview mirror. That's basically the point that I wanted to make out of all this is that the nonsense is 
over. No more circus. Robert Sala, Joe Douglas running a tight tight ship. This is Zach Wilson's team, and let's get after let's get after that. So now what we can do is get into your voicemails this week. First one, let's go to Bigums in North Carolina. Wants to talk about some camp battles. Let's hear from him. What's going on, Matt? This is Biggums yep. from North Carolina. Listen, I got a question. Of course we've seen the draft. I like the draft. I get a draft next for the Jets. My thing is, what to you are going to be the biggest camp battles that's going to have the most impact on the mm-hmm. team this year going forward? You know, I'm looking at the cornerback position and possibly the running back position and what they're going to do with P. Ryan or Tevin Coleman. Then you got a lot of guys, young guys in the back end, like, uh, you know, Elijah Dunn. You still have um, Jason Pennock and those guys. So what to you is going to be the most intriguing camp battle mm. um, going into this season? Like the show, tell Ryan and Green Bean, I said, what's up? I'll let me know. Will do. Thank you so much for checking in, Bigums. I got a couple for you. I'll give you three in no particular order. I agree. Cornerback is definitely a big one because as of right now, who's your number one corner? Bryce Hall, probably. Uh, and then bless Austin on the outside. And then one of Javelin Gidry or Michael Carter, the second on, uh, on the slot. So uh, corner is definitely, definitely going to be interesting how that shakes out. I still think they add a veteran there, whether it's bringing back Brian Poole or bringing in someone like a Richard Sherman or Steven Nelson. Like I, I really think they add something there because it's a huge risk to go that thin or that young uh, at the position, but we'll see what happens there. It'll still be intriguing to see uh, in camp and in preseason what happens there. Running back is completely up for grabs. I really think Michael Carter is going to end up on top. I think it'll be Michael Carter and Ty Johnson as the one-two punch. Tevin Coleman will come in every once in a while, but more of a veteran just for the room. I don't think he's going to have a huge role. And the Michael Pirine, I don't think is a good fit in this offense. Right guard is another one that I think is going to be interesting because Alex Lewis took a pay cut to stay. So it's Lewis, Van Roten, and uh, oh my God. I, I was just about to say, Cam Clark. I was just about to say his name. I don't know why I blanked on it. It's going to be one of those three guys start starting at right guard. I'm hoping it's going to be Cam Clark. I'm rooting for the guy. If he's not ready, obviously don't put him in, but it would be nice if the Jets were able to grab a mid-round guard, uh, tackle and move him to guard and have it work out. That'd be sick. But I think it's going to be one of those three guys, and I'm intrigued to see what the final offensive line is going to look like. Um, so those are really the three key positions that I'm looking at. The rest, I think, I don't really think you're going to have too much battles going on. I think we pretty much know how it's going to shake out. So thanks for checking in, Bigums. Let's go to Travis in Ohio. Wants to talk AVT versus Joe Thune. Hey, man. Yo. Travis from Ohio. What up? Hope that you had a memorable Memorial Day with the fam and girlfriend. Thank you. You tall, sexy son of a bitch. <laughs> you kill me what now. do you think of us giving AVT for a cheap five-year contract instead of overpaying for Toomey, who uh, all of us wanted, for a five-year $80 million contract with guarantees. Um, ABT can play all, all over the line, and 
Which would you rather have now in worst respect? Mm. I know my take, but I want to always and respect yours. My brother from a different mother. Love you. Go Jets. Bye. Thank you, Travis. Appreciate you, buddy. Uh, Yeah, so at the time in free agency, I wanted Joe Tooney so bad just because I thought he was a perfect fit. But when it didn't work out, the next thought was, okay, the Jets have to use the draft to address that position. And they did a really, really good job at it. And I think you can make the case for both sides here. I think, I guess I'm going to say AVT because I'm confident that he is going to be a pro bowl or all pro caliber offensive lineman next to Makai Becton at, at a very young age. The thing is, you know what Joe Thune is and you're hoping that AVT can get to that point. I am confident that he is, but it really goes back to this at the time of free agency, the people were hitting the panic button because they didn't get one of Corey Lindsley or Joe Tooney. I said, okay, wait, hold on, pump the brakes a second and let's see how the rest of the offseason plays out, including the NFL draft. And I think Joe Douglas did a good job of addressing an obvious need at guard with Elijah Vera Tucker. So I'm very happy with it. You're not going to hear me complain. And I'd probably go Elijah Vera Tucker on the cheap deal than having to pay Joe Tooney, you know, 80 plus million dollars, whatever it was. James in New Jersey is up next. And James would like to talk about the legend himself, Dan Feeney. Hey, Matt. It's your boy James from New Jersey. What's going on, man? What up, You had bro? a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. I hope you have having fun with your family. With your family. Um, question, man. I know you mentioned before you talked about Dan Fee, how obviously he went viral at the New York Islanders game, and obviously you would love to have him as a party man or a wingman, but you would not want to have him on your line. Just more about your – I just want to know a little bit more about like, your intake on Dan Fee because I just delved into some Dan Fee clips from, like, over Indiana and they're in the Chargers a little bit. And he's still an okay player, but I don't have all the eye on these type of stuff. You do more, man. So just give me more info, your intake on Disney and what you think you can make an impact for the Jets. He man, he's a great player, but he looked like he had, like, some type of New York S vibe to him with the he whole does. mullet thing and the stash and him chugging beer during holidays. So who knows? He may not be a great player, but he might just make some type of splash or some type of New York, New York-ish S to him. If you know what I'm talking about. Tell me know what you think, man. Thank you for listening. I hope you get this. And as always, coach Thank you, man. Yeah, I, thank you, James. I really want to root for Dan Feeney so badly. Seems like a great guy. Seems like so much fun. He's just not very good. The Chargers, he was the starting center for the Chargers last year. And he gave up four sacks, five quarterback hits, and 33 total pressures. They thought so highly of him that they gave Corey Lindsley $62.5 million to come play center. And obviously that's a clear upgrade. And I know you're not saying that Dan Feeney's on the same level as Corey Lindsley. I'm just saying that clearly they didn't think of him enough to bring him back to start for them. They went out and paid the best center on the market. Uh, and Dan Feeney was brought in here to be a backup. I, I, I do not see him starting under any circumstances. The, the fact that Alex Lewis was brought back for cheaper money tells me that he is sticking I think he's going to stick around. So having Lewis, having Greg Van Roten, having Cam Clark, and having Dan Feeney, like he's so far down on the depth chart. I would be surprised if he starts any games for the New York Jets, even if there are injuries. Um, So I think he's going to be cool with the mullet and the mustache and all that. And, like, again, I want to root for this guy. I want him to be good. I want him to prove me wrong. But just based on what we've seen, not a good player. I, I, I think he is a backup at best on this team. 
Michael in North Carolina is up next. And thank you again for James for calling in. He wants to talk about buying a jersey and who's safe. Hey, Matty O, how you doing, brother? It's uh, Michael from Raleigh, North Carolina. Just calling in with a question for you. I first want to start off by saying great job with the content. Love the show. Appreciate everything you do. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank so you. my question is, uh, recently I got tickets for uh, my girlfriend and her 11-year-old daughter to the Jets versus Panthers, uh, so really excited about that. I haven't been to a Jets game and since Brett Favre is a quarterback, and uh, and they've never been to any professional sporting event, so uh, we're all fun. real pumped. But they did ask if I can get jerseys for them, uh, and that kind of begged the question to me, who do I feel comfortable buying a jersey for, uh, just kind of given how young the team is, and uh, just being burned in the past by getting a lot of jerseys and the players end up going to other teams or just getting cut or whatever. So um, as far as what I'm thinking right now, on the defensive side, I'm thinking uh, maybe Marcus May, if he does sign an extension just because he's a homegrown guy, he'll probably be on the team for most of his career. He's been pretty productive. Maybe Quinn and Williams. And on the offensive side, one I was thinking actually maybe Elijah Moore. I uh, just think he's got big playability. Just kind of see him as someone who probably can stick around. A flashy guy will hear his name a lot. Uh, definitely not doing quarterbacks. So don't even suggest okay, <laughs> Zach Wilson. Just all the, you know, I had a Sanchez jersey, uh, a Geno Smith jersey. So I'm just not, I'm not going there. Almost bought a Darnold one. Thank God I didn't do that. I did. Um, so just wanted to get your thoughts on that, man. Uh, if you were in my situation, what jerseys would you buy uh, for a girlfriend and her daughter when you're trying to get them into the Jets and uh, turn them into Jets fans? So appreciate the call, brother. Uh, keep up the good work and go Jets. Thank you, buddy. You're in a tough spot, my friend, especially taking Zach Wilson off the board. Uh, that, okay. So may is super risky. Only if he resigns, you don't want to have a guy's Jersey for just one year. Uh, Quinnen on the defensive side is probably a good one. I think Quinnen Williams is, is safe. He should be here for a while. Uh, Makai Becton. Do you want an offensive lineman's Jersey? If so, Makai Becton or Elijah Vera Tucker 72 could be pretty cool. Or is he 74? No, Becton 70. No, 77. No. 75. Wow, I am way off. I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, more, I like. I think that's a good one. I'd like to add in Denzel Mims. I, I like him a lot. I'm pretty high up on him, so I think he would be a good one. But if, if Zach Wilson's not on the board, if May resigns, I'm good with May. Quinnen's a good one. Moore's a very good one. I, I would like to throw in Denzel Mims uh, and maybe one of the offensive linemen, whether it's AVT or Makai Becton. But uh, if you want to go a little bit more on the flashy side, Moore's number eight, I think, would look really cool. So how about that? That's my answer for you, Michael. Ben in New Jersey is up next. He wants to talk, speaking of Elijah Moore, wants to talk about Moore and Michael Carter. What's up, Matt? It's Ben from Jersey. There's not really much going on in Jets line right now. It's kind of the dead part of the offseason. So I just figured I'd ask um, a few questions about our offense, specifically our two rookies are two skill position rookies not named Zach Wilson or drafted. So in the fourth round, obviously we drafted slot receiver Elijah Moore. I thought it was a puzzling pick at first considering we had, I think, four starting caliber receivers. But Elijah Moore is really good. Like, he's a first-round talent, and I think Crowder's time, Crowder's days are numbered at the Jet. He might play, he'll probably play the season now, but He'll probably be gone by next year. So, where That's do you fair. think Elijah Moore like stands in the offense? Like, what percentage of the snaps do you think he'll get in the slots compared to Jameson Crowder? Do you think he'll get more of the snaps? Do you think Crowder get more of the snaps? Do you think it'll be fifty-fifty? 
where do you think what do you think he'll his role will be in the offense? Second question. We drafted Michael Carter in the fourth round. He's probably the fourth best running back in the class to gone in round four. Obviously we're gonna be running a committee of backs with Carter, Ty Johnson, and Kevin Coleman. How, what are the percentage of snaps do you think Carter will get early on? And what week do you think Carter will be the bell cow back, so to speak? I don't maybe there I don't think maybe there isn't really a bell cow That's back in the offense, but I guess the first down running back. Let me know what you think. As always, go Jets. Thank you, yeah, for calling in there, Ben. Uh, this is an interesting topic. We'll start with Moore and then work our way back to Michael Carter. With Elijah Moore, I, I think he's going to line up in the slot at times, but I do think that Crowder is going to get a majority of those reps. And to me, I think he is someone who comes in in special packages. Maybe you give him the ball in some jet sweeps. You line him up in the backfield. Kind of a, a little bit of a gadgety guy in his first year and a punt returner. I think that'll be his main roles this year and then develop a little bit more because, as you said, Crowder's not going to be here in 2022. So Elijah Moore is going to have a bigger role in year two. But I think, I mean, there'll be a couple of games where he ha he goes off and puts up some pretty decent numbers. But I'm looking at maybe like 500 or 600 yards for Elijah Moore receiving this year. Uh, and as for Michael Carter, I, I think he could be the guy from day one. I, I think he's the most talented running back on the roster. I don't think they're going to have an 1,000-yard rusher. I don't, they might not have an 800-yard rusher, but they might have two three guys in that 600s or 700 range. And I would think that Michael Carter and Ty Johnson are going to be the one-two punch with Coleman as the third running back behind them. That's just my take on it. Those are the ones who I think are going to get the most touches. Uh, again, it's going to be pretty close on those running backs, but I think Carter is clearly the most talented one on the roster. Next up is Tyreek. He is calling in from Staten Island, wants to talk about Julio Jones. Hey, how you doing, man? It's me, Tyreek, again, calling for the second time or third time, calling from Staten Island. Um, I seen your video about, you know, the uh, the Julio Jones. I mean, you know, the Jets over the years have been lacking a lot of scoring and not throwing the ball a lot. You know, I'm an offensive-minded person, and I love the defense, too, but my thing is scoring points. That's why we have never – that's why we never went to the um to the Super Bowl or anything like that because we don't score enough points. We score touchdowns and we stop. You know, you got to take shots downfield. So Julio Jones, okay, unless unless they traded him to the Jets for a one pick or something like that because we only supposed to get seven picks next year. And um, why not go for one pick? I mean, we all could use the help that we can need to, you know, to help our sacks Wilson. And, um, you know, if he's going to go somewhere else, let him go somewhere else. But it's not going to happen because there's no rumors. There's no type of talk about bringing him in or whatever the case may be. And, you know, what about the other wide receivers that we had that never really played was the um, Jeff Smith and the other Smith guy, number 16, 17. I don't know too much about them two wide receivers. You know, have they ever played? We never even heard that we should have kept. We should have tried to keep the guy that we had in 2019, Demarius Thompson, the one I used to play for Marius the Broncos, Thomas. who had that miracle touchdown with Tim Tebow. You know, anybody who's tall and physical can He's help awful. out. You know, and other teams are signing big, you know, signing people. Why can't we do it? You know what I mean? Even though we traded out for that guard, you know, that we got, but we could have got another wide receiver in the draft. Not just, it's not about just one guy. You know, we have to spread they the ball around. We have to, we have a tough schedule this year, what? and we have to win more than four games. I'm tired of us failing. Even when, even when Sam Donald was there, you know, we have to be able to 
put more guys around our quarterback and spread the ball around so this way Zach Wilson could do his thing, run and throw the ball, get out the way, make something happen. It's been years since we had that. You lost me here on this one. I'm going to be honest. So Marius Thomas, I didn't think he was a good Jet. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I wasn't. I didn't think he was very – I think he was cooked. Julio Jones is 31 years old, 32 maybe. Um, and you still have – three years on that deal left at some pretty a pretty significant chunk of change in order to get Julio Jones in here. And you're going to have to give up a high pick to, to get that done. Where Where is he fitting in here? I understand he would be a, a number one receiver, but who who's getting the axe? You just gave Corey Davis a ton of money. Denzel Mims was drafted in the second round last year. Elijah Moore was drafted in the second round this year. Jamison Crowder is still on the roster. Keelan Cole is on the roster. He's a if Keelan Cole is your number five receiver, you have a pretty deep receiving core. And I know there's no star, so I, I guess some people just don't see the name recognition on like a big, huge name guy and think that Jets wide receivers stink. They don't. They do have a bunch of targets that they have that they could spread the ball around to. We just listed it off, but they had two, two or three running backs that were confident in going into next year. You have the five wide receivers that I just rattled off. You have the potential of Chris Herndon. You have uh, Kenny Oboa, who a lot of people like and thought was going to be, you know, like a fourth rounder this year, who was an undrafted free agent. I don't think this is necessary. I, I, I love Julio Jones. He's he was a top three receiver in football. He's probably still a top ten receiver in football. But wh- how are you fitting him in here? And are you willing to give up a, 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 a first or a second in order to get that done? I'm not. I would rather spend that at a position, a more important position than trading for a over 30 wide receiver who would only probably help you for the next two or three years instead of getting a piece that you could help build and grow with your young quarterback. That's just me. Manny in South Carolina is last. He wants to talk about if it's possible to trade Crowder at the deadline. Hey, Matt, it's Manny. I'm calling from uh, Charleston, South Carolina. And I wanted to touch on uh, both sides of the ball. First, I'll start on offense with the wide receivers. Uh, When you kind of look at it, the wide receiver room is kind of crowded in my opinion. You have Davis, obviously, Crowder, Mims, and you just drafted Elijah Moore. Uh, so I was thinking with Crowder and Moore both being in the slot, do you think possibly during the season at the deadline you could move Crowder? So basically it would be see who's more productive before the deadline and you're not going to move more. So if Crowder's underperforming and you could trade him, that's just a thought. I'm not really sure. And then I'll go to the defensive side of the ball with the linebackers. Uh, this isn't really a question, just like a take. I feel like CJ Mosley is going to come back and he's going to be really good. Like people forget that he was like top, maybe top eight linebacker just two and a half years ago. Even though we may have overpaid for him, he's still here and I think he's still a really good player. Like, Week one in 2019 in that Bills game, he was amazing until that injury. And you rushed him back against the Patriots in 2019, and he was out for the rest of the season. Obviously, he opted out last year. 
but I just think that he's going to be really, really good for us next year uh, in the leader of that defense, and he's a veteran, so I also think he might be able to coach up some of the young guys. And, yeah, that's it. And, as always, go Jets, and I love the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think you bring up two good points here, the first with Crowder, and then we'll get to Mosley in the back half of this. So to me with Jamison Crowder, I think you keep him on this roster. And if Elijah Moore plays well enough to where you don't necessarily need Crowder and there's not a ton of injuries, then okay. Flip Crowder at the deadline for a mid-round pick and you're good. You're golden. Uh, If that's not the case, if there's injuries or if Moore's coming on slow or if Wilson's playing well and the Jets are competing down the stretch, then okay, keep him and let him walk in the offseason. I'm not worried about losing him for nothing in free agency. If you get the extra pick, great. If you help the young development of a, your quarterback in year one, also fine. I'm good either way. I, w- I don't think it's a crazy take or out of the realm of possibilities to move him. Uh, I'm just not you know, being like, oh, yes, definitely trade Jamison Crowder. There are scenarios where you can you know, move him and it would make sense at the deadline. Uh, and there are also reasons to keep him around. So it really depends on how the season's going. And with C.J. Mosley, I don't know if he's ever going to be, be the player that he once was with the Baltimore Ravens and even what we saw in that first three quarters of the Bills game in 2019. But I think he could be a solid starter, and the Jets don't really have much in that linebacker room. It's very, very, very weak, uh, and it's young. So I think having the veteran, and he's going to be here for probably two more years with how his contract is laid out, you're going to hope that he is 75% of the player he was. That would be good. I'd sign up for that. If it's more, great. If not, well, then you're probably in a little bit of trouble. But I like him, and I am very much so rooting for him. And I would think he would play relatively well in this system that Robert Sala designed, and he's a linebacker coach himself, or, or as a former linebacker coach in uh, in Robert Sala. So I, I like, I like Mosley. I'm not like... Oh my God, he's going to be you know the comeback player of the year, the, a defensive player of the year candidate. But I think he could be solid, and uh, that's what the Jets need right now because they don't have a ton of solid players on this roster. But that's going to do it for me. I want to thank you again for sticking with me, and I know the episode's a day late, but wanted to do that uh, for Memorial Day weekend. Take some time off. Was able to spend it with uh, some friends as we were getting ready to celebrate him get married in a few weeks. So it was was an absolute blast. And uh, once again, if you are interested in donating to the charity that the revenue from today's video is going to go to, or today's podcast episode, rather, it's America's Vet Dogs. uh, And I will link that down below in the description. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Once again, I'm Matt O'Leary, and I will talk to you next time.